listening to Pet Candy. Hey, pet parents. Welcome to Bees and Queens. I'm your host, Caitlin Palmer. On my show, we talk to fellow pet lovers and discuss the wonderful and quirky world of pet care. Welcome to the show, Dr. Andrew Knight. He is a professor of animal welfare and ethics and founding director for Center of Animal Welfare, University of Winchester, UK. He is a fellow of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons and member Australian and the New Zealand College of Veterinary Sciences, which is the animal welfare chapter. Welcome. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's let's talk about you just a little bit before we address the elephant in the room. Did you always know you wanted to be a veterinarian, that you wanted to work with animals? No, I didn't. I actually started off uh, in human rights uh, advocacy, and there's a whole story to that. But I realized at some point that the numbers of animals being really badly affected by human actions around the world was unfortunately millions of times greater than the number of people undergoing the sorts of uh, problems that I was aware of. And so I thought I need to switch to animal advocacy. So I remained sort of involved in supporting all sorts of human rights issues, but my primary focus uh, switched to animal welfare from that point. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so true too. I mean, you know, animals, they're, they're individuals just like us and they have feelings and they, they love us. And I had told you briefly, I have a, a pet rat and I get so much crap about having this pet rat. Like it is snake food. Like, why do you have that? And it's like, no, it's, it's a little life. So that's, that's wonderful to meet someone like-minded like that. Yeah. Rats are wonderful. My brother had one running around his bedroom when he was a teenager. It was his pet. And, uh, you know, they're super intelligent, very clean, quite interactive uh, animals and uh, pretty efficient in terms of space and the amount of food they eat, uh, of course. Uh, so, yeah, rats are wonderful. They really are. It's fun to have a little critter that I can slip some people food and <laughs> it's not necessarily going to hurt her, you know. So what is your favorite animal to work with? I would have to say sea turtles. So I taught at uh, Ross University Vet School in the Caribbean, one of the world's largest vet schools for Uh, a couple of years and um, half the time when we went swimming we would encounter sea turtles Uh, so I became very fond of them they're lovely creatures and sadly six out of seven species of sea turtles are being uh, uh, endangered uh, at the moment by human activity. Oh my goodness I know I've started my soda can the little rings we've started cutting those and same with our plastic bags and stuff so that's great. So many wildlife get trapped in uh, in those plastic rings from soda cans. So good to cut those uh, before discarding them. Thank you. So let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> there's a lot of controversy around this, as I'm sure you, you probably already know that there's a lot of controversy around this, right? <laughs> so you are advocating for plant-based animal diets, and we're talking like pets, like dogs and cats. How does that work? What does it look like? Yeah, I mean, people have gotten increasingly concerned about their environmental footprints. So we've been looking at uh, what we eat uh, as people, uh, how we travel, how we hit our homes, whether we um, go to meetings in person or virtually and so on. People are now starting to also look at uh, what we feed our pets, actually. Um, There was a key study in 2017 by uh, University of California, Berkeley, that showed that the impact of pet food is at least a quarter, maybe more, of the whole impacts of the livestock sector. And we know the livestock sector contributes 20% of global greenhouse gases and is probably the major single user of land, ice, ice-free land in, in the world. 
and also an uh, enormous user of fresh water and a polluter in terms of pesticides, fertilisers uh, and so on. So what we didn't realise before is that the pet food uh, industry is uh, probably responsible for a really large proportion of, of that. As I say, the uh, University of California study indicated that it was at least a quarter of all of that was due to pet food. So people are increasingly concerned about uh, the dietary ecological paw print of their companion animals. They're looking for more eco-friendly pet foods. They're also concerned about health and well-being of their companion animals as well. They're living for longer and they have got uh, a range of uh, diseases associated with that, um, mobility problems, becoming overweight, obese, cardiovascular problems, dental disorders, and certain types of cancers do seem to be more prevalent than we would expect naturally. Uh, another obvious one actually is um, strokes. Uh, so many animals have strokes and seizures too. People do wonder if it's all the additives that go into uh, commercial pet foods, meat-based pet foods. So people are concerned about health and well-being of their companion animals as well and looking at alternatives. Because of this, uh, they're being rapidly developed. Uh, the pet food companies are piling into this uh, space because uh, there's huge interest in it. And alternatives being developed are vegan diets, vegetarian diets, uh, the use of insects, the use of uh, laboratory-grown meat, uh, seaweed, fungi and yeast. And of all of these, the vegan pet foods are by far the most developed and the sector is growing really fast at the moment. It's expected to be worth about um, $16 billion uh, globally by 2028, actually. There's a lot of money to be made. The pet food companies are getting into it. It's all being driven by the interests of uh, pet owners uh, in more environmental sustainability and better health uh, for their companion animals. So that's how I got into it. Sure. Now, some people would argue that their dog's been eating a, a commercial dog food brand for 15 years and he's done great. What, what would you say to them? Um, and that's fantastic. Um, most dogs that are 15 years of age, unfortunately, do have um, health problems. And they're things like you know, dental disease, uh, obesity, mobility disorders, uh, certain types of cancers, and some of the other things that I, I mentioned. Uh, so there are questions as to whether a healthier diet might result in better health outcomes. And indeed, what we just showed in our really large scale study of more than two and a half thousand dogs was that the, there were health benefits associated with being on nutritionally sound vegan diets. And I think there are reasons for that too, when we consider some of the differences between the vegan diets and the other diets. Another marketing thing they use in dog food is they'll say real chicken is the number one ingredient or real beef is the number one ingredient. Is a vegan diet, is that going to be palatable for a dog? Are they going to eat it? Uh, I'm so glad you asked that question because I'm kind of ready for that because we studied the palatability of the, the different diets uh, also in another massive study, which we published in uh, one of our leading scientific journals last year. So we we wondered, you know, do the animals actually enjoy uh, the vegan diets as much as the, the meat-based diets? So we had pet guardians uh, tell us about the feeding behaviour of their animals on the, on the different diets. And we had more than... 2,300 dog owners and more than uh, 1,100 cat owners. And we asked them about every indicator of uh, how much they enjoy their food that had been mentioned previously in scientific literature or that made sense to us um, as veterinarians. And we ended up with sort of 10 indicators in dogs and 15 in cats. So things like, you know, do they salivate, jump up, bark, uh, wolf their food down rapidly, guard their food bowl, uh, sniff their food, lick their food, and so on. And based on all of that, we looked at differences between the different diets and we analysed all that statistically. And at the end of the day, we found that there were no significant differences 
uh, between uh, the behaviour shown by animals fed vegan pet food and fed uh, the meat-based diets. So as far as you can tell, without until we learn to actually speak to our animals directly and ask them, then the best we can do is, is what we've done. And the results are that when you look at really large numbers, there's no differences in how much animals seem to enjoy the different types of diet. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hey, this is Omar Lopez. And Eric Meyer. And we want you to check out our new podcast, Working Class, where two lawyers from opposite sides of the law discuss the hottest employment issues today from both the employee and the employer perspective. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. Now, some people would say, you know, well, wolves and mountain lions and everything, they need meat to survive. Is it not the same with our companion animals? Wolves, mountain lions, guinea pigs, um, fruit bats, humans, none of us need any particular ingredient. What we all need is the right set of nutrients for the species. And sometimes also for the life stage, very young, very old, pregnant, lactating, gestating, whatever providing you supply all the nutrients that the animals need in a formulation that's tasty enough that they're happy to eat it and also digestible enough so that the nutrients can be digested and absorbed into the bloodstream and reach the cells, then there's no scientific reason to expect the animals would not thrive on those diets. And that's what the studies uh, seem to be showing us now, now that we're doing these really large scale studies of health outcomes, the ones on nutritionally sound vegan diets appear to be thriving, uh, doing at least as well in some respects better than animals maintained on meat-based diets as well. So no, they don't need meat, um, they need nutrients and providing you supply of the nutrients needed, then the animals uh, seem to be doing very well. It's nutritionally balanced, in other words. Yeah, it's, it's essential to make sure that the diet uh, is nutritionally sound, so nutritionally complete and balanced. And diets in all groups have been formulated uh, with errors so far. There um, was a really large study of, of more than uh, 2,000 diets from five US states, uh, most of which were meat-based diets, which found uh, errors were, were pretty uh, prevalent across all the different diets. And some vegan diets have also been formulated with errors in them as well and have not been nutritionally complete when they've been tested. So it is important to be using good quality diet from a company that's working with uh, experts such as veterinary nutritionists to try to ensure that the diet is nutritionally complete and balanced. People should check the labelling claims on the products to make sure that they are intended as a complete diet and, and are nutritionally complete uh, instead of just intended as a treat or a snack. And the company ought to also be able to provide some information about the steps that it takes to ensure nutritional soundness of its products. And, you know, it would be a red flag if a company couldn't provide any information or didn't respond to any queries about these kinds of things. So I'd say look for a good company that can provide uh, that kind of information and make sure that the diet is labelled as being nutritionally complete. But if if you do that, uh, then there's there's no reason to to be worried about the vegan diets. We did another study actually looking at all the steps taken by manufacturers when creating uh, the vegan diets and the meat-based diets to see if there were differences in the uh, steps taken to ensure nutritional soundness and the quality of the diets. 
And we found that overall, the companies were, were doing pretty well. Most of them were doing pretty well at all stages of the production process, although there were minor areas where there could be improvements. The vegan diets were produced to slightly better standards. They certainly weren't produced to worse standards. And maybe that's because people are more worried about uh, making sure they get the vegan diets right because they are relatively new and controversial. But when you, as I say, when you survey the manufacturers, um, we did a very detailed study. We published that as well recently. It seemed that the uh, companies producing the vegan diets were taking just as much care, in fact, even more care uh, to ensure their diets were nutritionally sound. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Like you said, they, they're they aware that it's it's controversial that people both in vet med and pet parents, and some of us are both, you know, it, it's just kind of like, is that right? Like, that doesn't sound right, but it's sounding better and better. Um, so tell me, how does it compare cost-wise? Sometimes people worry that uh, vegan pet food uh, is more expensive than meat-based pet food. And I don't think that's true across the board. Uh, there are more and more vegan pet products coming onto the marketplace. The cheapest meat-based product, products are the ones that are going to use the lowest quality meat ingredients. And in places like the US, where uh, byproducts from the human slaughtering uh, system are allowed to go into pet food, then the majority of, of the meat in many pet food brands will, will be from those sources. So they're very cheap. So it's not necessarily a good thing that um, a, a meat-based pet food is particularly cheap. It may indicate low-quality products, products that are considered to be not uh, edible by humans. You wouldn't really want to be feeding to your dog and cat if you took a closer look at some of those. Across the board, I don't think there is a difference uh, between the price of the vegan ones and the, the meat-based ones. And another key consideration is actually that the chances are that you'll need to spend money on veterinary visits or medications or therapeutic diets go down if you are feeding a nutritionally sound vegan diet because in our really large-scale study of more than 2,500 dogs, we found that there was a uh, decreased chance people would need to do all of those things. And all of those cost money as well, and they probably cost a lot more money, to be honest, than the pet food itself. So I think that's, that's really uh, important to remember. I have that conversation at least once a week at my job. It's like, yes, this food is expensive, but the cat could reblock again, and then that's... <laughs> You know, however many thousands of dollars that is. So, absolutely. I've been reading lately about livestock being raised for the sole purpose of pet food, raised and slaughtered just for pet food. Is that is that a true thing? Uh, generally not. The more premium the pet food brands are, then the more likely there it is that there will be livestock that have, have been just raised to, to go into the pet food chain and use for that purpose. The lower the price of the pet food, the more likely the meat in it will be byproducts from the human food system using body parts, which are not considered edible, such as hooves, ligaments, sinews, faces, and so on, or um, condemned as unfit for human consumption, uh, e.g. from 4D animals, such as those that arrive at slaughterhouses, diseased, disabled, dying, or dead on arrival, the 4D animals and they're not allowed to be used in the human food chain. So there's a greater chance that these um, will be purchased very cheaply and uh, rendered into uh, pet food, actually. So with the increasing premiumization of pet food brands, ref reflecting the higher sociological status that we're giving our companion animals these days, we're more likely to view them as members of our own families and more likely to bring them into the house and feed them better quality food and expect better standards of care in general. 
this trend means that there's less use of byproducts and more use of animals that have just been raised uh, for pet food. So that uh, increases, unfortunately, the environmental footprint of these pet foods, uh, which is lower if you're if you're making greater use of byproducts. And the environmental footprint is is very significant. We know that from other studies. And it increases the animal welfare concerns when um, we consider what's actually done to livestock animals raised to go into the food system. So with more animals being used, um, the animal welfare concerns there are increased as well. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. love my fur baby so much, but when they're stressed out, it makes me stressed out. Mine hate loud noises like thunderstorms and fireworks, and sometimes they just don't want to be left home alone. To keep my dogs calm in moments of stress like thunderstorms, fireworks, or even when I need to go out, I use Brave Paws, anxiety and stress support chewables for dogs. These plant-based chewables promote calm behavior with natural ingredients that have been clinically studied without causing drowsiness. Did I mention they're fast acting and sustainably sourced? How cool is that? Learn more at mybravepaws.com. And you know, the argument could be made too, sure, a, a vegan diet may cost a little more, but it's not unusual anymore to go to the pet store and see a bag of dog food that's over $100 and people buy it. Yeah, um, surveys have indicated that uh, price isn't the top concern that people have. Uh, we surveyed over 4,000 pet guardians and we found that price came in at number six. It didn't make it into the top five. The top five concerns were concerns about pet health, the diet, nutritional soundness and quality, environmental sustainability, and also the palatability, how much the pets like their, their food. So price wasn't the most important concern. So if you provide a good quality diet that, that provides all those things, it seems that people are, are happy to pay for it in general. Absolutely. And and I'm glad you mentioned palatability again, because it's not going to do you any good if you don't eat it. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, some of the manufacturers of uh, the vegan products have famously gone on to national TV and eaten some of their, their own product on live on camera. So it's a funny point, I suppose, that these products are produced to such good standards that humans can eat them as well, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that. I actually tried, I tried to make some of my own once, uh, cooking up some kibble in an oven, and I did actually try eating it. And it tasted a bit peppery and not very nice to my sort of thinking, to be honest. Um, but then I'm not a cat, so I, I think my opinion is pretty unimportant, actually. Uh, more important is, is how the animals react when they're being fed. And as I said, in, in the really large-scale study that we published last year, it seemed that overall the, the animals fed vegan food were just as happy as those fed meat. Oh, great. Yeah, I, I think that we all did that as as children and maybe even some of us as adults say, hey, that smells good. I'm going to try it. And then it does not taste how it smells. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've all done that. So if you haven't, you're lying. <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't. <laughs> so was there anything else you wanted to add or talk about before we close? 
Sure, I would say um, a key point for anyone if they're considering using a, a vegan pet food is, is to make sure that it is nutritionally sound. So check the labelling, make sure that it's not intended to be a snack or a treat, but it's, it says it's nutritionally complete and balanced uh, for, for adults or puppies or kittens or whatever it may be. And try and uh, use a, a good company as well that's uh, likely to be producing pet foods to good standards and hopefully working with veterinary nutritionists uh, when formulating uh, their pet foods. So, so that's important. Uh, for anyone that's interested in advice about gradually transitioning animals onto vegan diets, um, I've got that uh, on my website, along with all of the studies that I've been talking about uh, today and short video summaries. And the website is www.sustainablepetfood.info. Absolutely. And we'll link that in the show notes as well for anybody who would like to go check it out. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Well, I know, I know you're very busy and you've got a ton of stuff to do, but thank you so, so, so much for joining us today and shedding some light on this very, very controversial subject. I'll be honest with you. I work at a vet clinic. I came in with, with healthy, healthy skepticism, healthy criticism, but I think you might, might be working on changing my mind. Fantastic. That, that's great. Um, well, best of luck and everyone that's out there, if you are feeding nutritionally sound vegan diets, you can expect health outcomes as good or better. Your animals on average will be just as happy. You probably will end up saving some money because there'll be less uh, veterinary visits and use of medication uh, in the long term. Uh, and you'll definitely have a lower environmental impact as well. And that, that's really quite significant. So thank you very much uh, for trying. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Knight. We appreciate you. That's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. See y'all next week. And until then, remember, the best pet is the one you have at home. It's Pet Candy. Pet Candy. It's Pet Candy Radio.